Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lynn S and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And I will be moderating for us this morning. Today is Wednesday, March the 30th, 2022. And we are continuing our study of the big book. We're in the doctor's opinion, page XXVI, the second paragraph. The physician who at our request, ending with, which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. And we will be sharing on that one paragraph only. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Dwight M, 12 Traditions, Terry J, and readers of the text, Reba P, Carmela G, and Crystal P. The share ID for Tuesday, March the 29th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 18750, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 18751. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of OA. Dwight M., could you read the 12 steps for us, please? Good morning, Dwight. Uh, Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. Dwight M., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood it. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
We tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Oh, we'll pass. Take care. Thank you, Dwight M. And Terry J. will read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Terry. Good morning, Terry J. In Michigan, reading the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on, upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Terry J. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we're continuing our study of the big book. We're in the doctor's opinion, page XXVI, the second paragraph, the physician who at our request, ending with 
which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. And we're sharing on that one paragraph only. Reva P., would you get us started, please? Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. The physician who, at our request, gave us this letter has been kind enough to enlarge upon his views in another statement which follows. In this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality, or were outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable extent with some of us, but we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. So good morning, my fellows. I am Reva P. Um, You know, um, this chapter basically tells me what the problem is. And if I don't know what the problem is, it's sort of hard to um, work on the solution. So if I don't have a diagnosis, I don't know how I'm supposed to know what the treatment is. And this is telling me the first part of my illness. And for me, when I came in, I had a lot of other professional opinions. And those opinions were very different. And I tried those opinions, and I tried to eat certain things in moderation. Um, And allergy was not as um, popular then as it is now. Now a lot of people have food allergies, so it's not such a far-fetched concept. Um, But it's telling me three times the body is abnormal, um, physical factor, uh, bodies were sickened as well. So even in one paragraph, it's telling me three times the same must that I must believe in this first aspect of my disease, that I have an allergy of the body, I have an abnormal reaction to certain foods, ingredients, behaviors, and it's a physiological thing. You know, if I am allergic to something, I can will myself to death, but I'm going to have that allergic reaction. And I've had allergic reactions to medications, and it doesn't matter how spiritual I am, I have that reaction to that medication. Um, So I tried the other way. I tried one portion of, one scoop of, one bite of, one slice of, and it didn't work. Um, And, you know, my allergic reaction, um, that's what didn't make a lot of sense to me, and I was grateful um, to get the explanation that it results in this phenomenon of craving. So I get the craving after. You know, most people have a craving. They eat something and they're satisfied. With me, I eat something and I get the craving after. And it's not always immediately after, sometimes it's a day after, um, a few days after, but it, it comes. And you know what strikes me the most is this word incomplete, not having all the necessary or appropriate parts, not full or finished. So to, if I don't have a complete diagnosis, if my di- diagnosis doesn't include um, everything, then I'm not going to get well. But if the treatment isn't complete, that means the treatment needs to include this factor. So I need to look at what are my allergic foods, ingredients, and behaviors um, before I can even embark on the, um, the spiritual program. And for me, this was a game changer, total game changer. 
Um, and I wasn't so sorry by the end to let go of those foods because they were making me miserable. It was not fun anymore. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please, say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Nadia E. Nadia R. Tina S. Christina J. Kathy, oh, can you stop just for a second, please, and I'll tell you who I did hear. I heard Nadia E., Nessa R., and Christina J. Could you tell Abby me who S. I missed, please? Tina S. Toby W. Okay, I've got a lineup. Thank you, everybody. I heard Nadia E., Nessa R., Christina J., Andy S, Tina S, and Toby W. Good morning, Nadia. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for being of service. Um, So it's Nadia E. from Toronto, Canada. And, um, you know, almost every morning I'm on the line listening and I'm thinking I have nothing to contribute. But then I thought, you know what? Hey, God. I've been in this program for over 20 years. I've been abstaining. Um, I mean, my abstinence has changed. <clears throat> Sorry, my abstinence has changed over the years, you know. Um, and I realize that certain certain things I cannot ingest. And that's just a simple fact, that I am a compulsive overeater. And um, I wish it were simple that I could just say, okay, I'm just going to not drink um, if I were an alcoholic, and that would be simple. But this is not simple. Um, it's, it's um, I guess it, I, I would make it as complicated as, as, you know, as a crazy food addict can make life complicated. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that I know what I cannot ingest because if I ingest I can I can fool myself and think well I've got over 20 years of abstinence I can handle that but you know what but by the grace of God it's like I don't want that I don't need that what I do need is a spiritual connection and that's the malady that's the sickness that's my friggin crazy brain Um, that needs to be restored to sanity every single day. And not just in the morning when I get up. It's constant. It's like God is my BFF. Um, You know, in reality, I I lost my my best friend. Um, We've been friends for, we were friends for over 58 years. And I lost her. And um, so I, I mean, God has always been, um, not always, but uh, since I've been recovered, um, like always there for me. And, um, and I'm going to continue, continue this amazing relationship with a power greater than myself. 
And, you know, when I first came into these rooms, I, it scared me. The word God scared me. It was like, oh, forget it. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. And then it was like that people started sharing about their recovery. And I thought, wow, that sounds pretty amazing. I think I'll go back. Um, I don't know how long I've, I've been speaking, so I guess I should stop at this point. And I, um, and I'm feeling good, and I'm grateful that you're all there, and I wish everyone a blessed 24 hours with their higher power, whatever that means to you. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you, Nadia E. Nessa R., it's your turn, followed by Christina J. Good morning, Nessa. Hi, good morning, vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Wow, and Team Toronto showing up in full force. This is amazing. Um, so this allergy, this is the main discovery uh, and innovation of the doctor. This was the missing piece because everybody knew that there was something wrong with it with the head of, of the alcoholic and the addicts. I mean, they didn't know exactly what it was. You know, they attributed to, you know, um, maladjustment, you know, poor character, no, no self-esteem, no uh, willpower. You know, nobody realized it was like a mental obsession. But everybody was onto something with the brain. Uh, but nobody, nobody suspected there was anything wrong with the body. And this is the impetus behind um, entire abstinence. This is why working the steps and trying to get recovered while still in the food or in the substance does not work. It didn't work for Dr. Bob. It didn't work for for Bill and all the stories that we read in the book. It doesn't work for people who have tried and are still trying, and it just doesn't work. That piece has to be in place of entire abstinence because it all starts there. It doesn't end there, but it starts there. It's a, it's a biological imperative. Just like I can, somebody who's allergic to fish cannot prevent the rash from coming on, I cannot prevent the uh, phenomenon of craving from arising when I eat my trigger foods. I cannot prevent my um, insatiability. You know, when, when a person wants to eat something, they say they crave ice cream, and they eat the ice cream, they're satisfied. Me, when I eat ice cream, my craving gets intensified and it's never satisfied. It's totally in the wrong order. Um, you know, an entire abstinence is important not only from the physical perspective, but also from a spiritual perspective because, you know, when we come into this program, we are blocked from our solution, from our higher power by two things. One is the little G God of food. And the other one is the clamors inside ourselves, you know, our selfishness, self-censorship, self-centeredness, our little plans and designs. So, um, you know, the, the second part, ourselves, we address with the steps. But God is not going to come into a place where there's another God being worshipped. And so we have to get rid of the food first. And this, this is the key. This is the key. We cannot, um, I mean, I tried it. I tried to work the steps. Uh, in order to become abstinent. Uh, and it never worked for me. And there's even some literature that says that it's okay. You can do your support even if you're still in the food. But it doesn't work. I mean, I haven't met the first person. Thank you for whom that's worked. So, so entire abstinence is, is the beginning. Uh, but it's a very, very important requirement. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
Thank you, Nessa R. Christina J., it's your turn, followed by Andy S. Good morning, Christina. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good morning, Christina J. from the state of Washington. The coverage for today. God really loves me because <laughs> I'm here and I'm recovered almost two years, a few months out. And uh, I, I knew I had this allergy, and this made total sense to me in the beginning. What I didn't understand was um, telling me I'm maybe a maladjusted to life, full flight from reality. No way. I had my shit together. But I couldn't put the shit down. I couldn't put the food down. I was in alcoholic torture. And I love years ago I heard someone say that was enduring without choice. I endured my disease without choice. I don't got a choice over this physical torture. Um, A few years ago... When I turned 60, God stripped me the ability to keep going in my maladjusted to life, my full flight reality from reality situation, and I was lost because I was controlling everything and forcing everything, and I didn't know. Uh, And so the food got worse. I went into many series of relapses uh, after that happened. And in July of 2020, I got um, my full neutrality, thank God, one day at a time. And over this time period, I've realized what my full-flight reality has been, how I was maladjusted to life, and why the food was calling. Now, you know, when I first got abstinent with vision, uh, I didn't get that. It took me until July of 2020 to start beginning to get that, and that's why I say if you stay in this program, the work gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and your soul gets completely cleaned out. It takes time, and I'm not near there. But in my first round, I used to have uh, binges with my abstinent food. Does that mean that I don't have an allergy? No, that doesn't mean that for me. Because I could have banana episodes, (laughs) I like to call them, four or five bananas, but then I didn't go out and get bags and boxes and keep going for days on end. I only did that when I ingested my red light foods, sugar, junk, flour, you know, any combination of the above. So I knew I had this allergy, and it made total sense to me. My body has been sick. Uh, <clears throat> but this but part about the mind, you know, that's going to be revealed more and more as we go. I'm so grateful that this is being revealed to me, and I, I'm struggling with some of this realization. I, I'm living in great states of anxiety, and I told my husband and a friend last night on the line, <clears throat> sharing, not on the line, but sharing in a phone call, I've been anxious since I was a kid. And my whole life was anxious. I can look back and I can see there was nothing but anxiety. And so today I'm beginning to use more um, tools like like breathing and acceptance of my situation to get through these times and to heal. So I just wanted to share that, and I love you guys. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed to have recovery today. I pass. Thank you, Christina J. Andy S., it's your turn, followed by Tina S. Welcome, Andy. Hello, I think that's me. This is Abby S. from Michigan. I'm recovered from I Michigan think it's today. me too. Thank you, Abby. Okay. <laughs> Glad that I was able to make it um, on a share today. Thank you so much for your service and getting all those names down. Um, thank you to the shares before me. And um, this just reminds me of a time that I was driving in the car with my brother and my brother was eating something 
and it was something that came in a package that I'm unable to have and I he just like took a few bites and then just like put it down on the center console and we were driving up north it was like a far drive and he forgot about it and I was like looking at him like like looking at the item and just like are we made from a different like universe like how do you like how do you just forget and um and so I just know that I have an allergy which means I'm different like I have an abnormal reaction to certain substances and um and that abnormal reaction is that I can't stop once I start and and I'm different I'm literally I'm like so much different than for example my brother and another thing that I thought of was like a few years ago I um actually like three and a half whenever my last relapse was which was around that time um I there was something on the counter I lived with a bunch of people and I just got this I mean a lot of a lot of things were leading up to it but I got this idea in my mind that I could just have one and um and I took one and I I mean I was like instantly in like this state of like crazy adrenaline like needing more and like eating just until like I was like it could just there was no stopping and it was like crazy and I'm grateful for those moments because it's like I can't have that like I can't my body has an abnormal reaction and and it's good to know that I'm just a little like I'm that I'm different and it's the first the first up on this journey and then I can you know once I'm sober from that and that's not in my body then I can work the steps so I'm grateful to be here and uh, grateful there's a fellowship of people like me and who I can hear the solution from and thank you God for the big book so thanks for letting me share it thank you Abby yes Tina S it's your turn followed by Toby W good morning Tina Thanks so much, Lana. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great paragraph. And uh, I loved all the shares. You know, when I first came into the rooms and started reading this book, I didn't even get this paragraph. I kind of wanted just to skip over. It made no sense to me. You know, um, allergy, abnormal reaction to foods that I put in my body. I thought it was a joke. I actually thought that people were just weak and they needed an excuse. You know, um, today I'm so grateful that that's not my thought process you know and but you know the deal was I had to go through all of that because I thought somehow some way some way with this great mind of mine that I could just you know eat normally but I have an abnormal reaction to certain foods certain alcoholic foods that I put in my body which may be different from other people on the line you know but I have to find these out for myself but I love the idea that it says that you know uh, we're sure that our bodies were sickened as well. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this phys- physical factor is incomplete, bottom line. You know, because what I need to have when I come into the rooms for a solution is a transformation, a spiritual awakening. But I personally, I cannot have that if I have alcoholic foods in my system because it blocks me from the sunlight of the spirit. Number one, if I have them in my in my body, I'm again again dependent on this great magic mind of mine, which gets me in trouble all the time, you know. And I heard it. Most of the people that shared before me said the same thing. I have to have the food down. 
I didn't want to have to have the food down. I wanted to play around a little bit and let's have the spiritual you know, awakening and then maybe put the food down. But I'm so grateful that I was beaten into the state of reasonableness that, okay, every way I've ever tried did not work. Maybe I will take the suggestion of somebody else and just see what happens. Just see what happens. I did not die when I didn't eat my alcoholic foods. And eventually, one day at a time without eating them and working the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, having a transformation, Overeaters Anonymous, I am free from these foods today. And I'm free from the obsession of the mind. And I have a solution to live free one day at a time. You know, in a normal body, all those benefits that I get, you know, after having a spiritual awakening. And I have changed. I am a different person today. You know, and I so want to give this thing away. You know, I don't want to go back to where I was, and and I, I don't even think it would be where I was. It, you know, it's so progressive, but I'm so grateful today that I have a solution, and I'm with you all, and doing this one more time, one more day, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Toby W., it's your turn. Welcome, Toby. Thank you very much. My name is Toby W., and I live in the Boston area, and I'm a food addict. When I read this paragraph many years ago, and for many years, every time I would read it, all I focused on was maladjustive to life, full flight from reality, and mental defective. And I was not any of those at all. I fought it and fought it and fought it to say, not me. Of course, I didn't look at the fact that I would go to work on the way home from work, stop at the bakery, load up on a whole bunch of stuff, eat it on the, in the car on the way home, stop again, get more food, and then go home and sit in my chair and eat and eat and eat till I passed out. But that's not maladjusted to life. That's not full flight from reality. That's not being a mental defective. I fought it and fought it and fought it. And it really took a good sponsor to help me look at how I was maladjusted to life. I mean, I went to work. I had a profession. I was very good at it. There were days I almost fell asleep in front of the client. Um, because of the binging the night before, but certainly not me, not me. I fought it and fought it and fought it. Thank you, God. Today I know that all of those things that I was fighting was the, I don't know what it was inside of me, but now I know that I am well adjusted to life. I am abstinent. And I have, I'm not a mental defective, um, and I'm not a full flight from reality. I know what my reality is, that if I ingest anything, if flour or sugar or something that is extremely sweet, I want more. So I stay away from all those things. And I am just so grateful. I'm just so grateful today. And I want to thank you for being there, and I love this program, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Toby W. 
For those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later this morning, we are in the doctor's opinion, page XXVI, the second paragraph. The physician who at our request, ending with, which leaves out this physical factor, is incomplete. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Now, who would like to share? Judith R. Anna W. Lisa C. Devora L. Sam S. Devora S. Devora S. Okay, I have a line up here. Let me tell you who I did hear, and I'm sorry I missed a lot of people. And I didn't get any initials. So I heard Judith, Crystal, Anna, Dara, Sam, and Devora. So, Judith. Could you share for us, please, and could I have the initial of your last name? Thank you. Hi, Lynn. Uh, My name is Judith S.P. from Maryland. I apologize for jumping in before you asked for names. Um, Yeah, this paragraph is wonderful, and I love the shares before me. Uh, In the first line, what struck me is the physician who, at our request, That kind of stopped me because the doctor was asked. He didn't come forward and say, I've got this information, I've got this information. He was asked. And that reminds me, my relationship with my higher power is very strong, but I've got to do the footwork. I have to be ready and willing to put down my food. Because if I don't, God can't come in. And um, he has been so kind. I have to remember, because of my disease and because of the years I've been battling this disease, that sadly, I'm not very kind. I know deep down inside Judith is kind. But I have a lot of layers of fear and anger. So... I have to request, and I also have to be kind. There's a story that some of us or many of you may be familiar with that I loved in my childhood called The Princess and the Pea. And the princess couldn't sleep. Um, You know, she was being tested. Is she really the one? And there were tons and tons of mattresses that were put. And I don't quite recall how she got all the way on top. But that's not important. The important part is even though we're many, 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 many mattresses, she could feel that pee and she could not sleep. And that was was the turning point where the prince or whomever knew she was the right one. And for me, I have tried so many different ways to not accept my pee, to not accept that I have an allergy and as Others eloquently said, I'm the opposite. I have a craving. It comes after I eat, and I can't stop. It doesn't matter how many therapies. 
how many pills, how many diets, how many whatevers, how many going on to the mountaintop I do. I'm not going to be able to stop until I accept the first part of step one. I am powerless over this disease. And when I can do that, and thank God I've done that, almost coming on to a year, I am able to work the steps, have my channel opened, and keep connected to my higher power. So I don't need a lot of matches anymore. I just need one, and that's my higher power. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Judith S.P. And Crystal. It's your turn, and if we could have the initial of your last name, please, Crystal. Hi, this is Crystal R. from uh, North Carolina. Um, When looking at this uh, paragraph, one thing that uh, I look at is the body that the body of the alcoholic is quite abnormal than his mind, as his mind. It's, as someone has said, it's an allergy. And one time a friend of mine, when I said, I can't eat any sugar, she took, she, it seemed like she took that as an offense. Because she says, yes, you can't, you just do it this way. And since then, it's like I shut up about it. When in reality, I don't have to explain myself. But I tend to think, yes, I have an allergy. It's no different from any other one I have to pollen, to to fresh cut grass or anything like that that I have. And that and whenever I make I bake something um, as, as a kind gesture I couldn't stop. I had to find out what they like and continue doing it. So I have to remember and believe that this is abnormal of the body and an allergy to sugar. I cannot have it anymore. And that's that's all I have to say. I pass. Thank you, Crystal R. And Anna, it's your turn. And if we could have the initial of your last name, please, Anna. Hi, this is Anna W. from Florida. Good morning. I'm a um, compulsive overeater in recovery. Um, I want to say that what, what struck me about this section is that any picture that leaves out the physical factor is incomplete. And maybe I'm going on left field or off left field here, but I just want to say that I can't ignore any aspect of myself physiologically, any, that may play, play, play a role in this disease, 
um, or my recovery. And for me, that includes how my body works today as a 47-year-old female. Um, you know, I'm so grateful that every day my body does what it's supposed to do. Um, and and that includes once a month. <laughs> um, it feels quite abnormal, but uh, it, it is, you know, once a month my body does do normal things, but it makes me it, – it makes me feel also very emotionally abnormal and makes me have intense cravings. And um, I often have said recently to my sponsor and to others, I wish, you know, we would talk about more um, how our bodies interact with this disease. And, and so I'm just going to say it and, you know, it, it feels, you know, once a month that my body is really crazy, um, you know, and really interacts with this disease and causes major cravings. And I can't ignore that. Um, I can't leave out that from this picture of my disease either. But what I, I can do now is choose to not let it cause the binge. I can choose to let it be an initiation to uh, more of a deeper relationship with my God um, let the feelings in that I never did before and get closer to God and, and really work this intensively and do more service. And um, I, I just wanted to, to really say that it's been kind of burning on my mind um, to talk about that and to have that just kind of put it out there because I really think that physiologically we can look at all of, or I can look at everything that's going on with my body and how it interacts with this disease for me on the daily and sometimes you know seven days out of the month um so thank you for letting me share have a great day thank you anna w dara l it's your turn followed by sarah s good morning dara hi good morning i'm dara l i'm a recovered compulsive eater in philadelphia thank you so much for your service um yeah, so so much has been shared about this. I just wanted to give a couple of experiences that happened to me. Um, I I think I was on my way out the door of maybe my 16th out of 18 long-term eating disorder treatment um, hospitalizations, and I stole food on the way out the door. Um, and the only way that I can, and was binging, you know, by the time I got to my car and was purging by the time I got home. And the only way that I can really explain that, right, after being shut up in a facility um, for two weeks was that I had not been clear of my alcoholic foods. And I know that today, you know, I understand today why um, for me, you know, methods, that did not take into account the physical and physiological nature of this horrible disease never worked. You know, it didn't matter how spiritually fit I thought I was. It didn't matter, um, you know, how many meal plans I got from dietitians that told me I could eat anything in moderation. Like that just never worked for me. And what I found is actually that the easier, softer way um, is a way where I don't dance with my, you know, that thousand pound gorilla of my, of my non-abstinent foods. Because I got to tell you, like for me, it's, it's actually more painful to try to eat one cookie a day than to just be done. You know, like I can't, it, not only was it not physically or physiologically sustainable for me to do that, but it also 
it created a level of pain and fury and frustration in this addict who, um, you know, once they ingest my alcoholic food, they get more and more and more um, of that phenomenon of craving. And if I'm fighting against that, that's really not sustainable as a method of recovery. And today I have a freedom that comes from that precondition of being entirely abstinent. And then, of course, working the steps, but I, I, I could never work the steps without, you know, putting down my alcoholic foods. And and the other thing that I love is is this notion of really taking a comprehensive picture of the things that drive me back to self-destruction. And for me, as a multidisciplinary addict, I always wondered, like, why I couldn't stay recovered. And it was because I had this other thing that was going on, this other addiction um, that would hijack my body and my mind in various ways. And so, you know, lately, as I've been working with people, it's it's really great to, to have the light bulb go on for them when we start talking about, like, what are your alcoholic foods? What are those behaviors? Time and then, you know, thanks. Um, and then for people who are multidisciplinary addicts, like, is there anything else going on? Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dara L. Sam S., it's your turn, followed by Devorah S. Please go ahead, Sam. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks for taking the meeting. Good morning, everybody. My name is Sam S. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Bristol, Rhode Island. Um, <clears throat> so my first couple of years in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I never heard about the doctor's opinion. Didn't like the big book. Was not okay with it. I thought, we're in OA. Let's stick with our kind, our text, ours, ours, ours. And, and the message that I heard was, we're not a purist. You know, you pick and choose your own abstinence. It's totally okay. And so what worked for some people didn't work for me. And this whole, the whole thing is comes down for me into what is my experience. My experience was I picked obvious things. I said, well, I'm not, and I need to say too, just for myself, like this isn't Sugarholics Anonymous. So for me, it wasn't, um, it wasn't just one ingredient. There were multiple ingredients. There's multiple behaviors and there are multiple foods that I try to control. And But what I did was I took the obvious because that's always what I learned. And I ignored that there were other things that I was constantly trying to, to take in and to take in more. And I mean, I was the girl that if I heard about this substitute product that looked like, you know, looks like a duck and quacks like a duck. And I was the first one. I was the taste tester. I was the one that ran to the stores to get this substitute. And I couldn't do that. And so my experience went from picking, you know, foods that were obvious to then hearing the doctor's opinion in on this meeting. And then negotiating in and out of it to say, well, maybe if it's on this list of the ingredients label, maybe if I don't do it in the obvious form, maybe, maybe. And I just heard those old messages, which for me, my experience put to those messages didn't work because I was constantly trying to find something that looked like it. I was constantly trying to find the next best thing that was going to get me away from the consequences of seeing it on my body and it didn't get rid of the crazy and it wasn't until I had help from someone to help identify what are those ingredients behaviors and foods that I try to control all the time 
it wasn't just the obvious. I couldn't work the steps, although I tried for a couple of years in this program, just working the steps without actually looking at what entire abstinence looks like and never looking at the physical factor because the doctor's opinion doesn't start on page one. There's no one to it. The Roman numeral for me. Oh, okay. So just really grateful to be here. Really grateful for the truth and the message. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Sam S. Devorah S., it's your turn, and Victoria L., you'll be after Devorah S., and Devorah, if you can take two minutes, we can fit everybody in. Thank you. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from New Jersey, and thank you all who makes this meeting possible. And, you know, as a, as a little girl, I was always dieting. My parents put me on all these diets. I went to nutritionists, and everybody told me, you know, you have to cut out, the, you know, all the snack foods, going to cut out all the snack foods. So I was always a little girl on the playground, you know, with the other kids eating a bag of uh, vegetables, cut up vegetables. And all my friends were running around eating what they were eating. And that's all I wanted. I wanted what they had. And I knew I couldn't have it because they told me I couldn't have it until I lose all this weight. When I lose all this weight, then I could start eating it. So in my mind, it was always trying to get that weight off so I can be thin because thin people can then eat whatever they want. And that's how I grew up, chasing that dream of getting into a thin body. I never got it, never got it, always dieting and dieting and not getting anywhere. Thank you, God, coming into program 20-something years ago as a grown woman and a, as an adult, having being a mother of my own children and learning about this, this fact that I have an allergy, it just made so much, it was the truth. It was the truth. Something clicked. It was like, that's why I had to finish every bag and every box. That's why, that's why I couldn't just have one. You know, so grateful that I'm still back here today because it goes, because thank God the food is down. The obsession has been lifted, but I'm here for more. I'm here to grow. I'm here to because, you know, I still have to live with myself. My mind is still there. But thank God, because of this step in this program, I'm able to to live another day in, in freedom. Um, and what a miracle that is today. You know, I'm not chasing around. I'm not wishing. I'm not thinking. Time, only. This is who I am today, and I'm, and, I, and I'm welcoming it a day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Devorah S. And Victoria L., it's your turn. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, everyone. Hi, I'm Victoria L. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I live in Muncie, Indiana. Um, Thank you, moderator, and thank you for everyone who does service on this line. I really appreciate that you give your time so that we can participate in this meeting. You know, I have a little kitten who's a compulsive overeater. I rescued him at about four weeks old, and he was concave and starving, And now as he's getting older, uh, no matter how much food I put in front of him, he can't stop eating because he didn't get the love and nourishment he needed as a kitten. I don't know why. Maybe he has the allergy of a body as a kitten, but you should just see how fat he is now. And uh, that's me. You know, I didn't get the love and nourishment I needed as a kid. And um, someone shared on the line the other day that they, in their relapse, they were justifying, you know, chips and guacamole and uh, you know, the new gluten-free like cauliflower chips and stuff. And 
what we don't realize on those things is like, for me, anything that's refined down to flour, even if it's a vegetable refined down to flour, it converts to sugar in my body and it kicks off the phenomenon of craving. But the catch 22, that's the most difficult part of this chapter is that the allergy of the body for me personally is real. When I put my red light foods in my body, the phenomenon of craving kicks in and I can't stop eating them. Yet the book requires us to put down the food in order to start working the steps. It's like, you know, it says the man, you know, you, you want to be a few days clear in order to even be able to do the steps. Yet we have to have a psychic change to break the cycle of the phenomenon of craving. So if I have to have a psychic change to break the phenomenon of craving, how do I get the psychic change? I work the steps. But if I have to put the food down to work the steps, then how do I put the food down without the psychic change? You know, and that's where I get really, really stuck in my disease of, you know, the obsession of the mind will say I can have just that one thing because it's gluten-free or because it's a vegetable or, you know, because I didn't eat enough at lunch and so therefore I can overcompensate it or whatever. Thank you. I'll I'll close with this. Whatever the excuse is, and um, anyone who wants to call and share on this, I would really appreciate um, outreach on the subject. Thank you so much and have a beautiful day. Thank you, Victoria L. And thank you to everyone who shared. And thank you to our wonderful team Wednesday for their service this month. Dwight M., Terry J., Reva P., Carmela G., Mary B., and Barbara P. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for Tuesday, March the 29th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 18750. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 18751. And the share ID for this morning's meeting, Wednesday, March the 30th, is 18754. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Carmela G., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Lynn. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.